to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Krakowski, and today we're going to dive into day two of the NFL draft and how the Packers did during that time. It was kind of a tale of two stories uh, for the first time, luckily for the Packers. Um, uh, starting with the second round, there were several players who I really like still available in the second that went off the board right in front of the Packers, which was not ideal. And then... We got to the Packers pick at pick 62, and they drafted a guy I would have never thought about drafting in center Josh Myers out of Ohio State. This is a guy who wasn't even on my draft board, a player I never even considered drafting, which is so, so frustrating to me. Myers in two years as a starter never had a PFF grade above 75, which just isn't good. This is a guy who always went for the big blocks, destroyed people at Ohio State, but because of that, he whiffed a lot in college, which led to a lot of missed blocks which led to him giving up 27 total pressures over the last two seasons, which is a lot for an interior offensive lineman. Myers is supposedly a good athlete, but he never had any official testing done, so I can't really tell how good of an athlete he was. If he actually is this good athlete and the Packers uh, can reel him in and teach him how slash when to go after those big blocks instead of just, and, and then, or most of the time, just get the job done, he might be on track to be solid in the NFL, but... Right now, this seems like just a bad pick to me, and here's why: he wasn't an extremely he wasn't extremely productive in college. He's about to turn 23 years years old as a rookie, and he was again overdrafted, not by a lot, but he was overdrafted. And there were so many other interior offensive linemen I would have drafted instead of him. Let me go through that list. At pick 63, the very next pick, the Chiefs picked center Creed Humphrey, who I liked a lot more and had a <clears throat> much more productive career. At pick 70, the last offensive tackle in this draft, I would be excited about drafting, came off the board, and Brady Christensen out of BYU. Then on the way past the where the Packers ended up drafting in the third round, okay, in the third round, so 32 picks later, at pick 87, was one of my favorite value interior offensive linemen in this draft, uh, Kendrick Green out of Illinois, one of the most physically gifted guards to come into the NFL in a long time, a guy who, who you would think would be a perfect fit for the Packers in their outside zone scheme, who they would love Nope, uh, they go after Josh Myers, and but doesn't it doesn't stop there? Okay, you could you go you could go to Ben Cleveland at pick ninety four. You go to Robert Hainsey at pick ninety five. Even Quinn Miners pick ninety eight. All guys who were drafted after the Packers third round pick. These are all offensive linemen I would have drafted before Josh Myers, before I even would have found Josh Myers' name, and all guys who I would have been so excited about drafting. And then the Packers do this. It's like the Packers don't take any data into account when drafting the last two seasons. It's it's frustrating to watch. Not to mention, some of the players that came off the board right in front of the Packers, including Terrace Marshall Jr., who was drafted just three picks before the Packers at pick 59. He was one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft, and the Packers just missed on him because they weren't they couldn't get a deal done to trade up three spots. The Panthers were able to trade up. Terrace Marshall Jr. was the ideal size and speed combination athlete. Gutekunst loves to draft, as we saw from MVS, Jamon Moore, and EQ. But Marshall was so much more productive in college than any of these guys. And listen to this. Since 2019, when he was playing, okay, 2019 and 2020, he had a 158.3 passer rating when targeted. That's a perfect passer rating. No matter who was throwing in the football, he was just that good. That's a mistake to miss out on a guy like that. And it's a mistake to overdraft this center and Josh Myers when there were so many better offensive linemen still on the board. So I'm going to give this pick a D minus. Okay. 
I, I should probably get an, give an F, but the only reason is they attacked a hole on the roster. That's it. That's the only reason why you would give this. And I no, I can't even give this a D minus. I'm going to give this an F. I can't. I just this is just a bad pick. I hope I'm wrong, but it was just a bad pick. And so let's move on to round three. And in round three, things took a real turn because the Packers actually drafted someone I liked in this draft. And honestly, a guy I kind of forgot about, and that was wide receiver Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Rogers interests me a lot. He was kind of of the man in the Clemson offense this season, the guy Trevor Lawrence wanted to get the football to. He's strictly a slot receiver who can definitely make guys miss. He had the seventh most force missed tackles in 2020, which is awesome. He works almost strictly out of the slot, though. But he does have really good straight line speed, and he, he can be a vertical throt, a threat Sorry, uh, out of the slot. Um, and that's important. And he can still force those missed tackles. He can create yards after the catch. And with his unique build at 5'10", 210 pounds, he reminds me a lot of Ty Montgomery, who the Packers once drafted as a receiver and then had him make that full-time switch to running back. I don't think uh, I don't think Rodgers has to make a full-time switch to running back by any means, but I think because of that build, because of kind of who he is, who reminds me of Ty Montgomery in our offense, that's that exact role, that Tyler Irvin Devon Austin role that the Packers have been trying to fill, who is important to our offense. He is a gad. He's that is a unique weapon, unique player. Our offense has to have that jet sweep play action. The Packers have been running for a year. And honestly, as I watched more highlights of him last night, he reminds me not just of Ty Montgomery, uh, but I think Ty Montgomery is his floor. Okay. I think that's the worst he can be. I think the best he can be though, is Randall Cobb in the NFL. Okay. Just watching some of those highlights, the way he blew past people out of the slot with his speed, still very elusive on those quick passes, making people miss, breaking tackles, jumping over defenders. I really like this pick. And this is the first pick the Packers didn't overdraft for, okay? On the consensus draft board, Amari Rodgers was the number 76 player, and the Packers got him at 85 with the trade-up. I think with Amari Rodgers' speed, his elusiveness, broken tackle ability, he can fit what this offense is missing in some big ways. So because of the potential... And the fit here, I'm going to give this pick a B. And here's why. Um, here's why I couldn't give this an A. Okay, uh, There were other guys I probably would have drafted here at the spot. Had the Packers not just overdrafted a center in Josh Myers right before it, uh, I would have I would have drafted probably one of the offensive linemen I just mentioned when I went through Josh Myers earlier. But also there was one other big player that came off the board as well, and that was slot cornerback Elijah Molden. So Molden was one of my favorite value selections in this draft, and I constantly had the Packers mocked to pick him in the third round because the value was just too good. Molden was the 59th overall ranked player. He didn't end up getting drafted until pick 100 after the Packers, which if that's the case, the Packers would not have needed to trade up seven picks and give up a fourth rounder to to draft him. There has been a better slot corner than Molden overall in college football over the last two seasons, and he ranks third out of 58 qualifiers in coverage grade out of the slot. 92nd percentile as a run defender. He has instincts, talent to be a safety as well. He's versatile. Um, 90.9 coverage grade in 2019. 86.2 coverage grade in 2020. Ridiculously good tackler. Um, Yeah, this guy would have been an immediate upgrade at the slot cornerback position for the Packers. The Packers could have moved on from Chan Sullivan, saved $2 million at the very same time. And then finally, so the Packers traded up. Shouldn't have traded up. He lost the fourth round pick. Also, uh, Elijah Molden was probably a better player here on the board for me and who would have been an immediate starter in our offense. And then finally, there's other 
slot receivers I really liked in this draft. You know, guys like Kay Johnson out of SDSU, the, uh, who was the best receiver at the Senior Bowl, uh, pure slot receiver, not super athletic or broken tackle guy like Mari Rogers, but still a really good player. And then Jalen Darden out of North Texas, who was in a, who both of these guys played at an elite level in this last season. Jalen Darden was super fast, super twitchy. Um, maybe he doesn't have the broken tackles, but he does have the force missed tackles. Okay. And he's even faster than Amari Rogers is. Okay. And both of them, according to PFF, were much better players than Rogers was this last season. And so I think the Packers just missed out on, on a legitimate starter in our defense at one of the most important positions in Elijah Molden in the third round. Uh, able to fill that slot cornerback role. We also lost a fourth round pick in the process. Okay. And then <clears throat> I know um, uh, the Packers, the Packers could still have drafted Kay Johnson or Jalen Darden. Two guys are really, really like uh, out of the slot for the, um, but I know they don't fit that perfect like motion running back receiver mold that Amari Rogers does. And so I get why they might've drafted Rogers over those two guys. Um, and so, I don't like the process, I guess. Um, I, I just would have went a different direction. But the more I do think about it, I'm hopeful that Rodgers is not just a Ty Montgomery, but that he's a Randall Cobb. And if that's the case, I'll be wrong, and that's okay. That's what I'm hoping I'm wrong, okay? Uh, I don't want to be right about these takes I'm making, but um, there's just different directions I would take in the draft, okay? And that's okay. I'm not I'm not getting paid for this. So, uh, but finally let's move on to day three. Let's see where the best value in the draft is. And at this point in the draft, you aren't going to be able to draft players to like fit perfectly the holes you have in your roster. If you do, you're going to end up with a lot of bad players. Okay. Don't reach. Okay. The best thing you can do is draft the best players available and let them compete. Even if it's at a deep part of your roster, even if it's that receiver where the Packers have six guys right on the roster already, and you probably don't keep more than six guys, but if there's better receivers, you still are okay with drafting them. Okay. Same with edge rusher. Okay. All you have to just add the best players you can all the time, especially on day three, starting with the running back position. There's a lot of guys here. I would consider drafting Michael Carter out of <clears throat> UNC, uh, Kenneth Gaywell, Gainwell in the fourth as well. Kill Herbert, Demetri Felton in the fifth, Chris Evans, Chuba Hubbard in the sixth receiver. Obviously, you know, I already like Kate Johnson, Jalen Darden in the fourth a lot. Also really like Tylen Wallace as well. I like Dax Maline in the fifth, as well as Amir Smith-Marset, a Packers favorite in the sixth, and Jacob Harris in the seventh. Offense tackle, I really like James Hudson out of Cincinnati. He's a really raw player, but graded out really well this last season. In the seventh, I really like two guys, athletic freak Tommy Doyle out of Miami of Ohio and Chayden Herring tackle for BYU. I think all three of those, if we're going to add a tackle, I'd really like one of those seventh round picks for sure. On the interior offense lineman, I doubt the Packers will pick one because they've drafted four in the last two years. All four I hate. Um, but here's there is Drake Jackson out of Kentucky, who the Packers could probably draft in the sixth round, who I like more than second round pick Josh Myers. So that's that's why I'm so frustrated. Um, at cornerback, still a couple good players I really like. Tay Gowan, Trey Brown, Brown guys who could be picked in the fifth or sixth. There's a couple other guys, um, Robert Rochelle, uh, faster guy as well. And I know the Packers do value their speed a lot, as we can see with their first round pick at linebacker. There's surprising a lot of guys I'd be interested in. Jabril Cox is somehow still on the board. He was number 46 ranked player, according to PFF. Um, smart coverage guy. If the Packers get him in the fourth, that might be worth it. I, I Drafting linebackers is always scary to me. But um, 
I think it would be worth it. I think he seems smart, seems like a really good player. Dylan Moses in the sixth from Alabama. Obviously, he had that terrible injury. He should have been a first-round pick. Um, terrible injury. Came back, played pretty poorly this last year. But a guy who I think Alabama trusts to run their defense, and that's a big deal. If you're smart enough to trust to run an Alabama defense, that's a guy I want running my defense, even if he's not the most athletic or the best player in the world. So Dylan Moses in the sixth, Justin Hillier in the seventh. On the edge, still a couple guys I really like as well. Cameron Sample, Patrick Johnson out of Tulane, Jordan Smith out of UAB. These guys are probably fourth, fifth-round players. On the interior defensive line, Davion Nixon, interesting guy to me in the fourth. I think really sticks out to me as a guy who was a second-round graded player on the overall consensus board, still available. He had some really big games. He's just really inconsistent. He's had really, really crazy good games, and then he's had really bad games. And I don't know if it's an effort thing or if it's a preparation thing for him, um, but very interesting player. And then finally, at safety, Ardarius Washington in the fourth is the biggest steal left in the draft for me. I really like Ardarius Washington in the fourth. And so, uh, really, he's a name you should be watching. Hopefully, the Packers can swoop him up uh, right there in the fourth there. But this is why it's kind of frustrating to me to see the Packers trade up seven picks and give up a fourth-round pick when I see so much value left on the board for the Packers here in the fourth round. Trading up is almost never the right option, and there's lots of ways the Packers could go here in the draft the rest of the weekend, and so we'll have to see. Uh, Maybe some players fall here, um, but I can't say there's an ideal way to go. I think ideally you'd get Ardarius Washington in the fourth, but after that there's just... You just have to see. You have to see which players are falling, and uh, those are the guys hopefully the Packers will grab, swoop up and grab, whatever it has to be. Um, But there's lots of good players who could add some real depth to this team and all have potential. They all have potential. So uh, that's all we have today, folks. Make sure you stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. We'll be doing more recaps over the weekend, thing, and then we'll dive into this even more in depth next week. But if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review. So... I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks guys.